This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. Liverpool United then in their fight for a top four finish, despite Mane's handshake snub at Old Trafford. And up next, Big Sam's baggies as the Reds head to the Hawthorns, aiming to turn up the heat on those above. We'll preview the action and, of course, have our team selector and match predictions to come as well. Here to get into it all, we have David Lynch, Theo Squires and Matt Addison. Gentlemen, thanks for uh, joining us. Lynch, I'll come to... You first up, and uh, how pivotal was that win and the manner of the win over Manchester United at Old Trafford? Yeah, it felt absolutely humongous. I mean, it, it, we did a couple of previews for it, basically, didn't we? Not, sort of not knowing when it was going to end up being played. And, and, and I remember both times sort of the mood around it being, you know, sort of negative and not really expecting Liverpool to do much, to be honest. And, you know, they, they've been, even when they've been absolutely flying in the league and coming up against some poor United sides in recent years, they haven't really done very well there at all. Um, so going there, having had all the issues they've had this season, and, and United doing, you know, they're not necessarily going to win the league worthy at any point, but they, 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 you know, firmly in second place and deservedly so. Um, so you just thought that this was going to be another difficult night, and then you know when Fernandez scores early on as well, it, it makes it look even worse. But just the incredible strength of character, I think that, that Liverpool showed to, to to sort of shrug off that that early setback, and there was a few setbacks during the game actually that they they did well to overcome, and I think. That that could be hugely pivotal because I just think in the context of this season where so much could go wrong, you know, basically everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong at times. You know, uh, not just the injuries, but I think some of the some of the mad VAR calls or just tight calls that have gone against them in moments and been very unfortunate. And I think it w- would have been so easy to let heads drop in that moment last night, but to come back and get a win and in the end a very convincing, you know, feels like a convincing win. Uh, I, I think that that could really, really bode well for them going into these last games. You just feel like the momentum is with Liverpool now, isn't it? And, you know, if you're Leicester and Chelsea, haven't watched that result play out last night, I think you'd be getting very nervous knowing they, they've got to play each other. Yeah, get your calculators at the ready, lads, because we are going to try and go through some permutations in a bit. But Theo, it was a, a seven-year itch that needed scratching Jurgen Klopp's wait for a, a win at Old Trafford, wasn't it? And thankfully got it. And now, as, as Lynchy says there, I think very much the uh, the confidence and everything sort of seems to be going Liverpool's way. Yeah, it's about time that it's gone Liverpool's way. You've had so many games this season where they've thrown away points where they shouldn't have thrown them away and it's just not gone for them. And it seems finally they've got this run of form and it's coming together. Um, it's almost gone under the radar a little bit that they've been unbeaten for what is it now six seven games and the only games they dropped points in Leeds Newcastle were late equalizers and that was when they had a midfielder at centre-back again playing centre-backs there it's done the business and what a win it could be what a confidence boost it can be for Liverpool like going into these last three games we've said the whole way along running Liverpool's is favourable the only thing that is counting against Liverpool is the fixtures they've um, what they've done in these earlier in the season where drop points when they shouldn't drop points when you wouldn't expect them to drop points and that that's why I think we've said on pods before out the last four or five games weren't really worried about United because Liverpool's best performance in recent weeks was at Arsenal like if they went there and it was just the Liverpool defeat that's what you expect it was the one you could take out the equation because it shouldn't have been the one that would cost them anything it was going to be an added bonus it was the fact that they can not turn up against the likes of Burnley. Fulham, West Brom, all these teams we've seen at some point during the season. And now hopefully they can finish strongly because it is almost back in their hands. And like we've got Chelsea and Leicester playing each other 
next week. Well, Liverpool will be there not knowing really which way they want that one to go and just got to focus on doing the job themselves. And it seems finally at the right stage, Klopp's got them doing that, taking it game at a game. They might not have a trophy up for grabs this season. They might not have a Champions League final or anything, but United was their cup final. Now it's finishing the season in style and making sure they can at least get that Champions League football next season. Yeah, definitely. There's been Arsenal home and away in the, the league, Matt. The home games with Leicester and Wolves as well that have been comprehensive and flickers of signs of what this Liverpool side can do. But was that win last night the performance of the season, do you think? Quite possibly, yeah, with everything that's riding on it. The fact that Manchester United have obviously made as many changes as what they did. You thought they would probably be fresh. I think obviously there was a lot more riding on it for Liverpool. It certainly mattered a lot more to them than it did for, for United. But even so... I think Manchester United have, have generally been very good this season. As David says, when they go a goal in front in the game, you do start to, to worry. Even when Marcus Rashford gets that one back, you think, you know, is is this turning against Liverpool again? But they just really did perform well. I think that the two centre-backs were fantastic. I think Nat Phillips will get a lot of praise because he was involved in almost every possible way that a centre-back could be during that game. But I thought Reese Williams was excellent alongside him as well. I think, you know, we, we shouldn't forget how young and inexperienced both of those two players are and, and for Liverpool to to sort of turn up and, and put in a performance like that when it matters. It is as good as in their hands now. Obviously, goal difference can come into it. It depends on what happens. But you know, I've said it last night. I've said it throughout today. As long as Liverpool win their final three games, they'll be in the Champions League. I'm pretty sure of that. So it's all in their hands. If you'd have said that to me two or three weeks ago, I honestly would have laughed because it just didn't feel like things were, were going Liverpool's way. But the fact that Arsenal did them a favour, then obviously there's, there's been other results that maybe you wouldn't have expected. It's kind of all coming into place for Liverpool. And I think the most important thing for me is that this season has obviously been a disappointment from a Liverpool perspective. We expected far more, but as long as they get into the top four, you can kind of write off this season and just go, well, next season we go again. If they didn't get into the Champions League or they don't get into the Champions League, suddenly it then has a knock-on impact on what happens next season. But as long as they get that fourth spot, I think next season suddenly just becomes infinitely more enjoyable and we can all look forward to a, a summer and, and all the things that will happen because things essentially for Liverpool next season, obviously not quite as, as champions, but it will kind of reset to what it was 12 months ago. Yeah, the, sun will still happen, the sun will still come out, don't worry. If, if they don't get top four, there still will be a summer. <laughs> I was just going to build on what you said about the centre-backs there. Well, you think um, Gary Neville was whining last night, wasn't he, about um, Harry Maguire and obviously the sky cameras kept going to him on the crutches. So, oh, it's such a poor thing for United being out with Harry Maguire as their star centre-back and all this. Well, Bailly and Lindelof, they must have cost them, what, 60, 70 million combined. They've played for big European teams. They've played in European Championships, Africa Cup of Nations, whatever. They're the big international players. Before this season... Reese Williams, Conference North, that was it. Nat Phillips, Bundesliga 2, that was it. And which looked like the better partnership there? Like these two United lads, they've been teammates for a number of years now in a senior team. If you think this is why Liverpool's season has fallen apart, because they've had to resort to Phillips and Williams, because they've been without Van Dijk all season, without Gomez, without Matip. People will have a go at Liverpool and say, oh, you're just moaning, you're blaming it on the injuries. But if you've got United, when they've really got nothing left to play for, having a go at their own injuries when it's just one player at the back, when they've got plenty of cover, that's why they're second and Liverpool are not. It just shows how well Liverpool can regroup next season. And it's funny when they've had so few options throughout the campaign. Maybe Jurgen Klopp's now going to be on the other side of it in the summer when you've got those three players back. 
maybe you sign uh, Canato, maybe you sign Kabak, Kabak, and you've still got Phillips there, you've still got Williams there. You've suddenly got a flurry of options. It's like, what do you do? Because it wouldn't be fair to either of them to have to go from being first choice for Liverpool and essentially potentially getting them into the Champions League to not even making the bench for games next season. Yeah, definitely. And Reese Williams seems to have come on an awful lot in a, a very short amount of time and dropping out of the side. Looks like he's been away and bulked himself up and come back in and you forget he is only 20. So plenty of room for development with him. But before we get on to talking about the centre-backs a bit more, Dave, just want to ask you about sort of the imagery at the end of the game, Mohamed Salah scoring that goal and the celebration. Lots been said this year about Mohamed Salah and that he's not bothered if he moves on. He's flirting and trying to attract the interest of Barcelona and Real Madrid. With the captain's armband on, scoring the final goal, he looked like a player who really cared to me. And I suppose the defining image of the title win is him celebrating in front of the, the cop. If Liverpool finish fourth, those images at Old Trafford might be defining for this season. Yeah, I thought you know, I thought he fully deserved that goal because he, he was absolutely phenomenal uh, last night for me. I thought just every element of his play in terms of in terms of making it stick, and, and, and he gave Luke Shaw, who, who I think's really come on this season, had a really really strong season, been one of United's best players. I think he just gave him an absolutely torrid night really out on that on that side of the pitch. So. Yeah, you, you can't you can't accuse him of his, his heart not being in it or anything like that. I don't think any of those. I think those suggestions are completely wide of the mark, and his his goal tally again is is utterly phenomenal. So, yeah, I think I think a lot of the stuff about you know will he move on and, and and things like that is slightly overblown. I think Liverpool do need to sort of maybe get a move on with sorting that contract situation. Obviously, you don't you don't want to get to a point where you you two years remaining and and you create those situations where there's a little bit of doubt over his future, but. So I think that's something they need to resolve. But I think, you know, looking at his performance this season in comparison to, say, Sadio Mane and, and Firmino, I think he's the, one, he's the one who looks like he's got guarantee of, of more great years ahead of him. He keeps himself in unbelievable shape, doesn't he? And um, Which we obviously saw when he took his shirt off against United last season. So he's um, he's in great nick, a player with real desire to, to, to keep improving. And I think, yeah, it's just... It was just good to see him get that goal because I think he he did deserve it for his overall performance and just sort of underlined, you know why why he's so important to Liverpool and and will be for the coming years. So you do need to get him tied down. Yeah, Matt, he's he's level now with Harry Kane on twenty one goals. Came out and said the other week about how he would swap any golden boot for sort of team accolades. Well, I suppose the incentives there get yourself the golden boot because if you clear of Harry Kane and get yourself maybe 24-25 goals, likelihood is you're going to be firing Liverpool to the Champions League anyway. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it's just phenomenal, isn't it? We spoke about it last night in terms of Liverpool haven't necessarily created as many chances as what they have done in the past, but it's it's Mohamed Salah who's Liverpool's talisman. When other players maybe have not been at their best, we've spoken about Mane, about Firmino, you know, Salah has just effectively done the same as what he's done in every other season, despite all of the chaos that's going on around him. So, I just I can't speak highly enough about him. I think you know the the suggestion from certain quarters in in the last couple of months has been that maybe Liverpool could look to repeat what they did with Coutinho and maybe move him on. I mean I don't think that's feasible anyway. I don't think anyone's got the sort of money that would you know tempt Liverpool to to sell him. But I just think it's it's not quite so easy to to do that when you look at, at thirty goals. If if you take those thirty goals out of of Liverpool this season and try and and replace it with another player, I mean. It's just almost impossible to to do that, I think. So, yeah, he, he's been unbelievable again this season. I think, you know, th- there's no reason to think that he can't do that, you know, for another three or four seasons. You know, you look at, at the shape he's in, the, the physique, 
everything about him to me says that he can carry on doing pretty much what he's doing now for for the next two, three, four seasons. And I think if if Liverpool can tie him down, I'm sure they will do that. And you know, for for me, it's it's an absolute no brainer because you know you, you just would not even want to to think about where Liverpool would be without him this season, without his goals. Liverpool would be without even having a hope of being in the top four. I think I forgot to mention as well, sort of the one thing I really liked about his goal is he's the one putting Matic under pressure, sprinting back into his own half, putting Matic under pressure, forces him into a heavy touch. And that is where, you know, Liverpool win the ball from that. It gets moved to Curtis Jones. And then all of a sudden, Salah is he's already on the move in the other direction as well. So to be involved on both sides of the ball in that goal, I think just summed up his performance, absolutely worked his socks off as well as, showing his quality going forward. I think you've sold him a little bit short there, Matt, saying four years. If you look at Cristiano Ronaldo, he's still growing strong after, what, six, seven years older. I reckon you can get a bit more out of Salah there. It's just whether he's up to the Premier League for that long. Because, as we've all said, he's in such good shape. Obviously, he doesn't touch alcohol and all that. And I think with the contract situation, it's become a chess game with Liverpool now. Like obviously, when we've had these reports of him doing interviews with the Spanish media, they're focused on the Real Madrid and the Barcelona lines. But if you look at it as well, he's definitely hinted about a new contract too. And it's one where, well, Liverpool are in this situation now where clubs can't afford him. Like Barcelona, Real Madrid, we know how messed up they are financially. If they want Mohamed Salah, they have to sell a lot of players to finance a move. And it's one where, well, Salah can't really go anywhere. Like if these top teams want him, they have to stump up the cash. And with coronavirus and all that, it's just not there in the market. So obviously he'll want a new contract. He'll know he's in the best place to keep challenging for trophies at Liverpool under one of the best managers in the world. And then Liverpool are in this situation where their own finances are a bit iffy. They still want to work out how it all stands. And it's like, well, do you want to give a massive pay rise when he's still under contract for a couple of years? And I'm pretty sure there are clauses in this deal as well. You've got to do match highest earners. So like if he gets one, Van Dijk's got to get one and vice versa there. So that'll probably be why they're being patient about it taking their time to see the situations they're in and then if a big offer does come in maybe they will consider it but at the same time you know you're going to keep getting this performances from him for another three four years at least and he could still be delivering in the Premier League five six years down the line because he is just that sort of player he is a phenomenal the blood red podcast from the Liverpool Echo Got a few individuals to talk about, and I want to talk about the two centre halves. We spoke before the game, I know, about how Manchester United are very good at coming from behind. And I saw on Twitter a few Liverpool fans in jest afterwards saying that Phillips took that one out of the equation by deflecting the Fernandez effort, albeit it was already going in. But what a performance from Nat Phillips! Obviously, a few people pinning question marks over him for the opener for Manchester United, but he nearly won a penalty that was ruled out for VAR, then kept a move alive for Diogo Jota's equaliser, and then. 3-2 Lynchy with a brilliant match-winning block on the line. Yeah, I think what, what I quite liked actually in the in the aftermath of the opening goal was was he was having a go at Fabinho and absolutely rightly so, to be honest. Fabinho vacates the space in front of Fernandez, which creates that opportunity to get a shot away and that and then if you Phillips and you're back on the line and, and, and he's in the right position there to be to be back tucked in in a situation like that. You know, if Fabinho moves out of the way in the way he does, that that just opens things up. So he knew in that moment really that he he wasn't to blame for that. He had the confidence to you know give give it down the banks to someone who, who's a, a more a far more experienced player than him. And and then you know, but he still seemed to almost take take it personally that he he'd been involved in the goal. And you know, great great feat wasn't it to to set up the the the, uh, the goal for Jota? That was you know really nice to see. You know, it's not really something. 
you'd associate uh, Nat Phillips with really is sort of seen as a, an uncompromising defender but it was it was good feet to, to move across the box and get that shot away and then like you say that that block on the line so he was he was really the story of the match and that you know we, we keep saying this but it's it really is if you if you'd have said back in August that, that Nat Phillips would be this prominent a part of the Liverpool side or or in a win at Old Trafford at this point of the season, you would, you know, you would have laughed. It, it, he was so far down the pecking order, so close he came to to moving to Swansea as well prior to that. So, yeah, it's just a, a fantastic story, and I thought a, a phenomenal performance that sort of sums up what what he's been putting in recently. Because this isn't a sort of exception; it, it wasn't just you know he was better than usual at, at, at Old Trafford. I think he's just been playing consistently well for a while, and he's he's made Jurgen Klopp's mind up about keeping settled centre-halves in the centre-half position rather than dropping Fabinho back there. I think Nat Phillips's position now is alongside Fabinho being in front of him. The non-negotiable, it's all about who that partner is maybe when, when Kabak comes back to fitness. So, um, yeah, good on the lad. It's, it's, um, it's been really, you know, the story of the season. It'd be great to see if you can just top it off by, by helping Liverpool into the top four. Yeah, he might not be the a Rolls Royce of a defender. Maybe more your your Vauxhall Astra, steady, dependable, <laughs> needs regular use and everything. You're not going to just leave him on the drive and then try and start him up and, and get him going. It feels like a player who needs to be regularly used. And with that happening for Liverpool, he's beginning to grow game on game. But I suppose it is one of those where it's kind of worked mutually beneficial for both. He's been able to be in the shop window, I suppose, to prove that he's more than up to Premier League standard now. I don't think that's probably within doubt. And Dave said he came close to moving to Swansea. I think Premier League sides will be eyeing him up now, even if he's not to stay at Liverpool for a, a great deal of time. Yeah, I think we've had this conversation off screen before, haven't we? Saying, well, you could imagine him perfectly fitting into a Burnley or a team like that because he is just a defender who knows how to defend and loves to defend. And he's not changed the whole way throughout his career. Like, obviously, we know my former life at his former employers. So I've been, I've seen him first play when he was for the under 18s, the under 21s. And he's always been this same lad who would win every header, stick his body on the line, get on the end of all these crosses into the box. I remember a couple of games when um, I think it was Steve Walford, who, if you know him, he is Martin O'Neill's number two pretty much the whole way through his career. And he was Neil Lennon's number two at Bolton. And he was just one game, just in awe at Nat Phillips, basically clearing everything out of the box. And this was when he was, what, 18, a part-time player, essentially, at Bolton. And we're now seeing him do that exact same level at Old Trafford in the Premier League against Real Madrid in the Champions League. It is just, when you break it down to those basics, one of the best defenders you can get. It's just when you get to the top clubs, you do need a bit more from players. And Liverpool probably still are at that stage above him. When you've got Virgil van Dijk there, that's what the level Liverpool want to be at. And that Phillips isn't that. But this season, when they've been falling apart, conceding silly goals, they've had that lack of stability in the back. They've had to go back to basics and he has been the perfect fit for that. Now, it's a big decision to make whether Jurgen Klopp decides, yes, that is who I want as my fourth choice centre-back because there are going to be games where we need players like that to defend and just to get games over the line. Or if it's a time they go, well done, you've done a brilliant job for us. We can't imagine you've done anything to this level, but you've exceeded expectations. Now go on, get your move, go and play Premier League and go and get show why you're this good because he's not going to get the game time he deserves at Liverpool when everyone's fully fit. But he has shown that he is more than capable of making it as a top flight defender. We've seen in the past, Liverpool don't hold on to players if they know they're not going to play them. Like Danny Ings, Lucas Laver. They've gone on to do brilliantly at Southampton, at Lazio. Maybe Nat Phillips will be the next one. 
Yeah, I think for me as well, Matt, the big point, I think we've probably got a fair few people watching and listening in thinking, well, he's been such a brilliant player this season. Why not keep him around? Why not save the money that would be spent on a centre-back and keep him about? Because he's shown what he can do this season. But I think for me, the, the thing comes with, as I said before, he's getting better game on game and feels like a player who needs to be regularly playing. Otherwise, those limitations, if he's coming in from the cold every so often might get exposed. And as I say, probably as Theo mentioned, not going to get the regular game time really going forward once Gomez, Matip and Van Dijk are all fully fit. Yeah, no, exactly that. I mean, as soon as, as Van Dijk, Matip and Gomez come back, he's instantly at very, very best would be fourth choice, wouldn't it? And that's before you think about potential incomings in the summer. So for me, he's done brilliantly. You know, I, I don't want this to, to sort of take away from what he's done because he's been an absolutely colossal part of, of Liverpool's season, certainly over the last three or four months when he's been playing regularly, as you say. He's been absolutely fantastic compared to, to what everybody, you know, thought that that he could reach in terms of his ceiling as a footballer. I think he's he's far exceeded the player that I thought he was, but there are still limitations with his game. There are still, you know, things that you'd look at and, and think that Liverpool can can get somebody who's better and, and can improve. And for me, I think he's got 12 months left on his contract this summer. I think the fact that he's played so regularly and will never play so regularly again says to me that if you can get, let's say, for instance, 10, 12 million for him this summer, which I think would be a reasonable sort of price for, for a team lower down the Premier League to, to do, I think you've probably just got to, to sort of take that, to be honest. I think his, his sort of value as a player is never, ever going to be as high as what it is now. If you don't sell him this summer, I think you've kind of missed the boat. And I think Liverpool have, have maybe done that with a couple of players in the past. I think possibly Divock Origi is one that we've spoken about. Harry Wilson is one. There's one or two other examples as well. I think Liverpool would be, would be for me, making a mistake if they weren't ruthless this, this summer and, and just said, thank you very much. Go and enjoy yourself at you know another Premier League club. You've more than earned you know a move to a Premier League side rather than a Championship side. But for me, this summer, it, it's got to be the time to, to sort of cash in, take the money whilst it's there and, and go again and, and improve. But at the same time, as I say, I don't want to take away from what he's done because if Liverpool get into the top four, he can take a huge slice of, of the credit for that. Yeah, he's gonna. He's definitely. I think if Liverpool pull off this and finish in the top four, or go down as a cult hero at Liverpool for definite. I think his contract situation there was a bit of confusion, wasn't it? If it expired this summer, it doesn't. I think it's twenty twenty three, so two years left. He's probably at that highest sell on point for Liverpool. Uh, David, we've got somehow twenty two minutes into this podcast and not spoke about Trent Alexander Arnold. How have we done that? Yeah, yeah, what a performance. I think um, I, you, you're almost tempted, aren't you? Because Gareth Southgate was there to, to say, oh, he's, he's making a point. He wanted to put on the show for the England manager after being left out of the squad last time. But to be honest, he's been in this form for a while, hasn't he? I, I think he's just been playing at this standard for, for a long, long time, which is why his omission from the England squad was such a shock. I think earlier in the season, he had a few troubles. And I think I think there's possibility that, that COVID did affect him in terms of his on-field performance and and, and you know, did some damage to him in the long term there and, and, and hurt him a little bit. But I think he's, he's since the turn of the year, he's, he's just come back in style. He's, he's been putting in performances like that. He, he has for a long while, despite his tender years, has been sort of the the main creator in this Liverpool team, hasn't he? So, And I, I think he just took that up to another level last night, just showed what he's all about. It, it was just... Yeah, just ridiculous, really, that a right back runs runs the game in the way that he does, and and, and United never really sort of seemed to to find a way of, of coping with him. I think 
that that entire side of the pitch really him and Salah's link up just that that's why Shaw had such a poor game he just couldn't get a control of that in any way and and wasn't really getting much help down that side either I suppose but it was um yeah Trent is you know not just the assist for the the, the free kick goal that that Firmino heads in but he's obviously he takes the shot that Firmino gets his second he's con he's just some of the balls in behind that he played the one. Uh, Sadio Mane plays. In, uh, he plays Sadio Mane in behind. Um, Jamie Carragher on commentary was was hilarious. He's, he's almost pairing about it. it. Was so so good, and that's someone who played football at the highest level. See, you know, talking about how how great that was, and just how you know almost admiring it in the sense that we would watch in a professional footballer because it's it's that high level what he was doing, and yeah, he's he's just incredible, and. It, you do forget how young he is. The fact that he's got to this point in his career, he's already got a Premier League and a Champions League under his belt, and he's he's going to get better is 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 quite scary, really, because he's he's already ridiculous. And I think Gareth Southgate watching that last night, if he ends up going to the Euros without Trent Alexander in, in his in his squad, uh, then he's he's a fool, isn't he? I was going to say, he might ne- he might be pointing never coming to Anfield again if he doesn't take him because <laughs> yeah. he's in absolutely sublime form. Matt, I don't know if it was me just reading too much into it, but when Jorginho Vijnaldum went off, Captain's armband was given to, to Trent and then to pass on and he looked a bit miffed at having to hand it over to Mohamed Salah. But then when Salah went off, he did get it, rather just rolled it up onto the sleeve thinking, yeah, that's it. Was that a glimpse into the future? Is he going to be a future Liverpool captain and hopefully, of course, lead the Reds on to, to many great heights? Yeah, I think so. I think at some point he will be. I mean, there's there's other options. We don't know what's going to happen in the future, do we? There's still discussion from some quarters whether he should move into midfield, whether he should do this or that. But I think whatever the outcome is, he'll be at, at Liverpool for a long time. I think he's a hugely important you know, player for, for what Jurgen Klopp does. But I think he will be long after Jurgen Klopp has, has left Liverpool as well. And yeah, it, it makes so much sense, doesn't it? There's an obvious sort of comparison with him being a, a local player, that sort of thing with Steven Gerrard. Can he go on and, and inspire Liverpool in the same way? And I don't think he'll 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 have to do that, to be honest. I think the, the Liverpool team is, is so much better than the ones that, that Steven Gerrard played in generally that he won't ever have to be the one that, that just drags Liverpool forward. But yeah, there, there's certainly there's there's captaincy material there. I don't think you know he would make any secret of that. If you asked him, I'm pretty sure he said in the past, hasn't he, that that is his long-term ambition. That's what he wants to do. And I think it's it's almost inevitable, I think, that that he will take on the captaincy at some point. But uh, yeah, I'm sure Jordan Henderson will be here for a few more years yet. So he's going to have to wait a little bit longer. Yeah, but you do feel, Theo, in terms of that leadership and that growing up that he's done this season, that actually, as much as it's been absolutely horrendous for Liverpool and the spine of the team's been ripped apart, there has been more onus and responsibility on him, not just for creating chances and running the game, but actually being one of those to plug gaps when things aren't going so well. Yeah, it's one where if you look at him defensively, he's had some really solid games and it's just because armchair fans look and go, oh, he's not got 15 assists this season. They think he's had a poor season. And it's just, well, Liverpool had a lot of gaps in the back. They've essentially gone back to a world without Virgil van Dijk. And we remember how poor that back line could be at times then. And Trent has had to sort of step forward and be this leader. And it's one where Liverpool have struggled to replace Van Dijk and replace Henderson. We know James Milner's not fit enough to play every game. He needs that run of games. And when he seems to be about to get that run of games, he'll come down with injury again. And it's going to be a huge learning curve for Trent that he's been able to come into this team and show signs of being that leader because he's probably not ready to be a full-time Liverpool captain now. But that would have been what last night, the first time he'd worn the armband in a Premier League game and he made more of an impact in that game than he did in the Champions League back in December. 
So it's one where you can take it forward and it's like, well, that's a taster, isn't it? This is what he's going to want to be doing for the next 15 years. It's not just lifting the Premier League, lifting the Champions League. It's having that armband on his sleeve and winning vital games against Manchester United at Old Trafford. He's a Liverpool fan. We know how much it means to him. And he'd have been so proud of that. Uh, he'll be disappointed with the season, as most that Liverpool squad. I think one of the, well, that Phillips is probably one of the only a few who can't be too disappointed with how it's gone. But Trent can use it as another side of uh, the coin to give him that overall experience. Like It's not going to be every season you're winning trophy after trophy, you're winning game after game. And it's these setbacks that make you stronger. And Liverpool will benefit from it long term. And as we've seen for the last couple of months when he's recovered from these setbacks, he is in arguably the best form he's been in for 18 months. He's been incredible. And it just seems, as Binchy said, Southgate dropped him at the complete wrong time. The fact that as soon as that happened, he's gone up, been up for player of the month of the Premier League. He scored an important goal against Villa. He's got some brilliant assists. He's better than any right back in the Premier League. He's better than any right back in Europe. He needs to get that praise again. And just because he's not getting the same number of assists, because Liverpool had to play a different style, it's criminal to just devalue his season because of that. Yeah, Gary Neville was trying to crowbar Aaron Wambasaka's name into the argument last night on commentary. No chance. I found laughable. (laughs) I have to say. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. It all seemed rosy and also well after a 4-2 win at Old Trafford. Lynchy, Jürgen Klopp on the pitch post-match, celebrating his first win at Old Trafford. And then Sadio Mane didn't want to give him a high five. <laughs> yeah, I believe Roy Keane wasn't happy about this either, was he? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> he's never happy, actually. So, yeah, it's um, it's it's one of those, isn't it? We, you know, we, we have a tendency because, you know, the, the, the real insight or the, the majority of the insight we get into this group of players or, or any group of players, I suppose, is that that 90 minutes when you watch them playing Premier League or Champions League games, you know, so we, we, we tend to read too much then, I suppose, into the, the small details, the little things that we notice. And that obviously has, has been... According to Jurgen Klopp, anyway, he's been completely blown out of all proportion. He did admit that that Mane maybe had a little bit of a reason to to be aggrieved in that the decisions over the team was actually made quite late, and, and obviously Mane would have been in that starting lineup at Old Trafford, wouldn't he, if the game had been played when it was originally scheduled to be played? So I suppose that added to his disappointment that Diogo Jota started over him. So yeah, a bit frustrated, but I think we just got to look at this, and it's very easy to forget. We all like to imagine that it's all harmonious and, and these players are just best mates or a gang of friends who just go around the world beating every team they can and, and it's it's all like that. But these are obviously, it's, it's a professional environment. You're not always going to get on with people. I know Theo and Matt, for example, hate each other in the work environment. <laughs> um, no, That's why we're working from home. It's not, it's not <laughs> um, no, but it's, it, it, it's a working environment as well, packed with, you know, uber competitive professional sportsmen so you know you throw in the fact that he's been running around the pitch and he's maybe a little bit worked up as well and it you know moments like that can happen but Jürgen Klopp I thought he was absolutely class in the press conference today in terms of just just you know nipping it in the bud and and saying that he'd been like that as a player from time to time and and that Sadio Mane had shown him respect five million times over and so that one situation he's not going to make something big out of that so Hopefully that'll be the end of it, and I'm sure it will. I, you know, Mane as well. Having known him, having worked at the club, and and been close to him, just working in in journalistic terms, is you know not that sort of character really. A very sort of just a happy go lucky sort of you know no no real anger or edge to him at all. So I think uh, yeah, quick chat with Jurgen Klopp today at training, and I'm sure that'll all be quickly resolved. 
That's the thing. People with emotions. I remember him speaking before on the Champions League games last year, and he came into the room, and he seemed so sort of uh, almost taken away and starstruck with the amount of journalists in front of him. But Matt, it is one of those, isn't it? He he had that chance. I think that may well have been playing on his mind that he missed that. He'd come into the game scoring two goals in his last three, maybe just feeling as though he was getting his rhythm back and he is dropped. But at the same time, you like to see it. Liverpool going for what they're going for, a lot on the line. You want players chomping at the bit. Yeah, he cares, doesn't he? He wants to be in that team. He wants to be performing. And I think over the course of the last week or so, he's kind of admitted that it's, you know, it's been one of his worst seasons. He's not played anywhere near the level. And I think it's just a little bit of uh, frustration, really. I mean, it's not the kind of thing that you want to see. And I'm sure, you know, had there not been another game in a couple of days' time, it might have become a little bit bigger than than what it maybe is. I think, you know, th- there's a good chance that Sadio Mane will start on, on Sunday. There's a good chance that Sadio Mane will score on Sunday. And if he does that, that is literally the end of it. It does not matter one single bit. I mean, look, it, it, it's not the, the worst thing in the world. We know he's, you know, a, a very good character off the pitch. All of these Liverpool players are. That's why they're at the club. I did think it was a little bit unnecessary and not something that you want to see too frequently because it can become something even though it probably isn't. But yeah, let, let's not make a meal out of it. I think as long as, as Liverpool are, are winning and you know the, the rest of the squad are, are clearly happy, this was just a one-off. It, it's not something we need to, to be concerned about or, or worried about. And as I say, as long as Liverpool win at the weekend, I'm sure it probably won't get mentioned again. No, you say it's a one-off. He, he what, Turf more last year, he threw the water bottle down. But uh, Crystal Palace, I think, this season at Sellers Park as well, he wasn't happy about coming off the pitch. But Theo, again, I say it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? Footballers all want to be playing all of the time and when they aren't, they get rather upset. But he's got to channel that now into, much like Mohamed Salah, if he wants to win that golden boot, channel it into ensuring that it helps Liverpool to finish in the top th- top four. It's now for Sadio Mane. When you do get your next opportunity, whether it's a start or whether it's off the bench, you get a one-on-one like he did at Old Trafford, put it in the back of the net. Yeah, I was just about to mention that, Burnley one. Uh, Liverpool's elite players do have form for it, but that's why they're elite players, because they want to play every game, because they want to be the ones scoring the goals, making headlines. It's because he wants to fire Liverpool into the Champions League. And it's the same way you see like Ronaldo or a Messi. They have the little hissy fits, don't they? If it doesn't go their way, <laughs> it's what you want to see in these players. And it's just because Mane's having the season that he's having that there's that little bit more attention on him. But Liverpool sign Yotta. There is that competition for places there now. Players are going to drop out. We've seen Salah have his bottom lip out when he's had to drop out. Mane does the same thing. Just because Bobby Firmino's pretty much always smiling, it's not the same for him. But Salah and Mane have always been like that. And it's about how they respond. I think when Salah was benched against Palace, he came on and scored two, didn't he? He scored an absolute worldie. It would have been no surprise if Mane had come on and scored last night. And he was unlucky not to. He might have been a bit offside with that one-on-one when it was over the top. He'll probably start against West Brom because of the quick turnaround, as Matt said. <laughs> He'll probably score because he is quietly back into form now, isn't he? If it's like two and three that you said, it was a great goal for him last week against Southampton. He'd have fancied his chances of starting against United, thinking, oh, now I'm in form again. I'm getting confident again. And when you think, well, Bobby Firmino hasn't been, but then you can't really blame Klopp's decision. Like at the end of the day, Liverpool won at Old Trafford for the first time in seven years. The front three that started all scored. Firmino got a brace despite his problems this season. It was a brilliant decision that paid off. And having Mane out the team, it's probably going to give him that fire in the belly. So we'll go and start against West Brom, put a hat-trick in or something and challenge for the golden boot next season and everything will be fine again. This is how you motivate players. There might just be that one-off incident when they show a bit of discontent. But that's going to happen 
hundreds of times across the season, not just when they're walking off the pitch. It's going to be at training. These are human beings. When they have a bad performance, it's not because he's necessarily annoyed at Jurgen Klopp and it's a sign of disrespect to him. It's because he's annoyed at himself and the fact that he's not having the season that he should be having. But it's just what makes them stronger. It's why they're playing for Liverpool in the Premier League and the Champions League rather than playing for, I don't know, teams at the bottom of the Premier League and the Football League, just happy to be there, picking up the wages, happy to get the odd goal here and there. As I say, the reason why he's not still at Southampton, there's a reason Liverpool took him and we've seen it plenty of times down the years. Right, let's get on to West Bromwich Albion then. And uh, Lynchy, I'll start by saying, is the, was the reverse fixture actually where it all started going wrong for Liverpool? Yeah, it felt a little bit like that, didn't it? It's just, um, it was the first really of those performances of, that we've seen quite a few times since really in terms of, you know, getting that early lead, wasting chance after chance and then and then conceding a late goal. Um, you know, a goal that was came from a bit of an aerial barrage as well. That, that's been typical. I mean, you, you look at the Newcastle and the, the Leeds games in particular, and they're very, very similar to that West Brom game. So, yeah, I suppose a, a little bit the, the start of the decline really for Liverpool this season. So, you know, hopefully those players will, will see this as an opportunity to put things right. And they've, they've just sort of ground the way back into form recently, haven't they? It, 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 really in the build-up to that Manchester United game, it was sort of surprising when you looked at the form table, how good Liverpool have been recently in terms of picking up results. And so to have added that United result, they really, really have put themselves in a great position to, to turn that into a run that of, of all wins till the end of the season that will get them into fourth. So, yeah, I think that this West Brom game, they'll, they'll want to put it right. It's it's an interesting one just on the basis of, you know, does a team that's just been relegated, do they play with a little bit more freedom or have they got that little bit less desire because Liverpool are fighting for something and, and West Brom aren't? So there's all that up in the air. But I think, I do think it, it, it makes it, we'd like to think it, it makes it slightly easier that you, you're not coming up against a Sam Allardyce side that desperately needs the points because he'd be trying every trick in the book, wouldn't he, to, to get the win. Um, you know, and I'm sure he would be desperate to get a victory this this time, no doubt about it. But it, the pressure is a little bit less on them in terms of needing it. So hopefully that plays slightly into Liverpool's hands, and they can, you know, show show West Brom and prove why West Brom are a team that are being relegated. I think Liverpool have struggled in some of these games against lesser sides this season. So it's a, it's an opportunity to show that the reason that West Brom are going down is because they don't have the same levels of quality and, and, and bouncing into that with the confidence of a win away at Manchester United, it, it, you really would like to think that Liverpool can can turn it on and, and, and get a convincing win. Yeah, Matt, West Brom obviously relegated after their defeat at Arsenal. Can't expect Sam Allardyce's side to go full sort of Joga Benito and juggling the ball around, flicks and tricks and everything here and there. But it's one of those, isn't it? Relegated or not, you know what you're going to get with the Sam Allardyce side. Yeah, I think so. There's going to be a lot of, of set pieces. They're going to sit in at times. And that is something that Liverpool have struggled with, isn't it? Isn't it? The, the sort of breaking down of a, a low block and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, I, I think if Liverpool don't beat West Brom, they don't deserve to be in the Champions League, do they? I mean, we've said that plenty of times this season. But as long as they do their job this week and they beat West Brom, they beat Burnley and then they beat Crystal Palace, we're pretty certain that they'll be there or thereabouts. And obviously you don't win games by deserving to or, or being better than, you know, a certain team. But I think, you know, Liverpool, especially are off the back of what happened last night in terms of, you know, going to Old Trafford, getting that. If you can't take confidence from that and, and move into this one and, and take your chances in this one, then, as I say, you just don't deserve to be in the Champions League. So, for me, it's it's one of those. It's not going to be an easy game. I think it's going to be quite nervy. I think the first goal is is enormous. I think you know, 
the fact that they are relegated. I think if Liverpool do score first and, and just control it, as long as Liverpool don't sort of go three, four, five nil up or something, I think West Brom would be fairly happy as long as they lose by the odd goal. So it's one of those where I think it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a fight. Liverpool are going to have to, to take the chances that they get because I don't think they're going to have absolutely loads of them. But it's a game that, let's be honest, Liverpool really should be able to, to find a way through. Yeah, but they are a bit of a bogey team, aren't they? Theo, looking at it, only two wins in the last nine meetings. And in terms of trips to the Hawthorns, only one win in six league visits. And of course, I think a lot of people probably remember that opening day, the Brendan Rodgers uh, first season in charge, the 3-0 defeat there. It's not always been a good visit to the, the Hawthorns or the Reds. This Liverpool team so different to that Brendan Rodgers one. Why have you brought that up, guy? I'm just saying. I'm saying history. It's not. It, it's just okay. to get about you want history. Era. You want history. Um, if you look at those teams, I'd imagine from the last two, there's a two-all draw and there's a one-all draw. The two-all draw. Actually, there was a one-nil win between them. Okay, there's a one-nil win. Blah blah blah. The two draws <laughs> are before a Champions League final and before a Europa League final. When Liverpool have put a load of changes in, when you've got like Adam Bogdan in goal, Jordan Ive playing, Danny Ings up front. Come on, you can't go through all this form <laughs> record here and count this against <laughs> Liverpool. <laughs> it's a bogey ground when you play the reserves. <laughs> Liverpool won't be playing the reserves. They're going for the Champions League now. They'll be playing their strongest eleven, and you'd like to see them do the job. Um, I'll, I'll be a bit kinder to you now. It would be a very Liverpool thing to do to go and beat United and then to get turned over by a Sam Allardyce team. But you'd like to think they've got confidence and belief in them now. And you almost don't know what you're going to get from West Brom now because a big part of their team this season has been loanees. And you get to that stage now where you're relegated, you're going to the championship. Do you bother playing the loanees? Because like the likes of Maitland-Niles, he's not going to be playing for West Brom next season, is he? The lad up front, Diagno, he's not going to be playing there. They'll be going back to their parent clubs and wanting moves elsewhere. So it's whether you stick to the players you can have in the championship. But then even then, Allardyce might not be there next season. So it's whether West Brom want to try and finish in style or not. Uh, it just depends if Liverpool turn up on the day. But yeah, history doesn't come into this when you look at the teams Liverpool put out in the past. It's a very different set of circumstances here. And you'd like to think they've got the ability to get the job done. The fact that they've been unbeaten for these last runner games, they're going to have actual centre-backs at centre-back. It should make a little bit of a difference. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Theo's team select selector. Strongest 11 to Van Dyke, Gomez, and Henderson all back for, for Theo, apparently. But uh, Oh, yeah, but, on crutches, that's still enough. <laughs> the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Let's crack on anyway. Let's get into the uh, team selector. Alison Becker in goal. Matt, I'll come to you for the, the uh, back four. How are you lining them up? Well, assuming nobody else is back, I think the back four is the back four. I don't think there's really too many uh, opportunities to, to switch that around at, at the moment. I mean, we've spoken about Trent. I thought Robertson was excellent as well, actually, against Manchester United. We saw a little glimpse of the Andy Robertson that we saw last season, I thought, at, at times last night. So I think you've you've basically just got to, to say until Ozan Kabak is back or, or anybody else is back, essentially it's it's those four for, for the final three games, I think. Have Liverpool on that, David, have Liverpool got to be prepared for Ozan Kabak not to be back this season? Because Jurgen Klopp, before the Manchester United game, has said without obviously referring to Kabak, that injuries at this stage of the season, with only sort of 10 days left now, can basically be season-defining, even if they are only a small muscular problem. And of course, he, he didn't feature at Old Trafford. Don't expect him really to feature here. So then he's got kind of... Uh, a week to make sure that he's he's fit for certainly the Palace game and only a few days to be ready for Burnley. It's a really difficult one, isn't it? Because 
you know, Jurgen Klopp has spoke this season regularly, hasn't he, about the importance of rhythm um, and, and not chopping and changing his back line. He said that that's been the crucial element that's, that's undermined Liverpool, really, is having to make constant changes in defence. So you wonder whether if he did get Kabak, you know, back available, it, it, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because he, he's got that little bit of extra, interna- you know, he's an international player. He, he's still young, but he's, he's so experienced in terms of, uh, you know, got a lot more games at the top level under his belt than Reese Williams. So I think I think he possibly would, if he was available, would possibly bring him in for the last couple of games. But we don't know where he's up to. Klopp hasn't really hinted about it. He's been keeping his cards close to his chest in terms of, of, of injuries recently. So it's it's tough to, to read. But I, I do think he will bring him back. But I, I don't expect him to be back from this one. There's no real suggestion that he will be. So if that's the case, I think it, yeah, I think that back four sort of, sort of picks itself and you you hope that Reese Williams and Nat Phillips can can stand up to a slightly different test because West Brom are going to just try and lump the ball in the box at every opportunity, aren't they? They're going to have to win a lot ahead of those two, and I think that maybe suits Phillips more than it does Williams. So it's um, yeah, a difficult test for for both of them if they start again. Yeah, Theo. Unless you want to change the defence, what about the the midfield for you? Um, I'm going to put Curtis Jones in. I think he's pretty much the only one who's available fit that you could put in, isn't he? Because Oxley, Oxley Chamberlain, and Cater were missing last night um and then i'm just going to go back to my old argument that when Adam's on his way out so phase him out look to the future so curtis jones can take his place but liverpool don't really have many other options there at the moment the fact that there were two keepers on the bench last night and there was ben woodburn on the bench last night shows how they are down to the bare bones so jones tiago and fabinho in the midfield for me what about yourself matt the midfield yeah, Curtis Jones comes in for me as well. Um, I was quite impressed with him when he came on last night. And I think it's uh, it, there's just too many games at the moment not to make any changes. But I think it, it's going to be Thiago who sits out this one for me just because I want to, to sort of keep him. I mean, he can come off the bench, but I want him for, for the last two games of the season. So I'm going to stick, obviously, with Fabinho. Wijnaldum uh, can play as well and, and Curtis Jones in there for me. How does that sound to you, Dave? Yeah, I think I maybe agree with Matt on that one, just because I think Thiago put in a, a lot of work uh, in the in the last game, didn't he? I thought thought possibly that was his best game for Liverpool, actually, in terms of just thought both sides of the ball really, really impressive, and hopefully the the start of something special for him at Liverpool. And um, so maybe you know thinking about that that Burnley game coming up and, and the fact that fans will be back, you'll want his element of control in midfield and to to really keep you know limit their opportunities to to lump the ball long. So. I think you maybe you know hold him back and and with Jones having done so well off the bench at, at Old Trafford, maybe a, a, an opportunity for him to play. And I, I just can't see why Naldem ever being dropped. So it's uh, I think he goes in there alongside Fabinho. And I'll stay with you, Dave, for the uh, the attacking trio. Uh, we probably got to get Sadio Mane back in there, haven't you? He's uh, not a happy man <laughs> being left out. So. Um, uh, I, and I did think before he went off, actually, I thought Jota seemed to, to tire a little bit. So maybe it's just a, a straight swap there and you put Mane in for, for Jota and keep Firmino in because he's in form and, and Sal- Salah's been in form for the entire season, hasn't he? So you can't, you can't drop him. So I think that maybe picks itself there. Yeah, Firmino did score the last uh, winner at the Hawthorns, Theo. So would you be inclined to keep him <laughs> in the side as well? Uh, I'm going for the tried and trusted front three. Jota out, Mane on the left. Uh, as I said before, there's not really many other options you can do at the moment, whether you put in a Shakiri or an Origi, but you're not. You're going for the Champions League. You want to have, whilst you're going to have to make changes because of the turnaround, you need to go as strong as you can to get the points on the board. And that's the change, isn't it? Mane will come in, having sat out against United. 
and after scoring a brace, you can't drop Firmino. You just can't drop Salah when he is in the form. He's going for the golden boot. Liverpool get in the Champions League. He's going to be on scoring the goals to get them there. Um, Matt, what about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. In agreement, I think uh, Sadio Mane will come in. I think the fact that he didn't play the other day suggests, or didn't start the other day, suggests that he will do now. And I think it, it's going to be three of those four for, for each of these games. I think it's it's just an area of the pitch where Liverpool can have a little bit of rotation, a little bit of freshening up without really changing too many things. So yeah, for me, it's, it's Jota who has to come off the bench. Mane, Firmino and, and Salah. Yeah, so what about... Uh, result predictions then guys Dave I'll come to you first up uh, I, yeah I think Liverpool are going to take great confidence that Manchester United wins I'm going to for the first time in a while back them to actually win win again and uh, maybe say 2-0 yeah I'll go along with 2-0 Matt score yeah I think they're going to win uh, I'm going to go for 1-0 I think it's going to be incredibly <laughs> nervy I think they're going to miss chances but I think Mohamed Salah is just about going to squeeze Liverpool through that injury time will be horrible, won't it? If it's 1-0 and, and Sam oh, Allardyce's yeah. team just pumping the ball into the box. Sam Johnston goes up for last-minute corners. <laughs> <laughs> United team for trying to equalise. Yeah, I, I just think it, it's inevitable. Liverpool have to win all three of their games and at some point they're going to come under pressure. And I think for... I mean, you, you could make the case for, for all of the teams left, to be honest. I think the, there's narratives all over the place, isn't there? Burnley with fans back in the ground is going to be tough, but... Yeah, I think Sam Allardyce will will do his best, certainly, to, to make it difficult. And Theo, what about yourself for the score? Um, let's go 2-1 Liverpool, just to be a bit different. Uh, whilst they did play well against United, there were some dodgy defensive moments, shall we say. Um, West Brom, they're probably going to get one, aren't they? Big, long balls into the box, going to make a mistake at some point. But I think Liverpool now are showing a bit of ability, a bit of talent. Uh, you'd like to think that with the goals on the board from Salah and Firmino, there's that confidence there to add to it. So Liverpool should have enough to one. Yeah, great. Well, I said we were going to talk about permutations. I realise we've gone a bit over time, so we won't be able to get into it. Or maybe if Liverpool do get the win at the Hawthorns, we'll dedicate Monday's Blood Red to trying to That's do better some... better on Monday anyway. Day before Leicester-Chelsea. I was going to say they've got dress rehearsal, haven't they, in the small form of the FA Cup final over the course of the weekend. But it is getting very, very close at the top end of the uh, Premier League table in terms of the race for a top four finish. That's it from us on this edition of the Blood Red podcast. Do make sure to check out the link to the Blood Red newsletter in the description of the podcast. It takes only 30 seconds to sign up and our best Blood Red content finding its way to you. But from myself, Guy Clark, Matt Addison, Theo Squires and David Lynch, thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.